So Money, episode 494, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. It's Ask Farnoosh. I'm your host, Farnoosh. It is Veterans Day, November 11th, also known as my father's birthday. So happy birthday to my dad. And also thank you to all the veterans that we have in this country and abroad who have served our country. I'm recording this. Even though the election is over, I'm recording this before the election. So I will not be able to comment on the outcome, but you know who I was rooting for. (laughs) Sophia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's kind of crazy and surreal to be recording this, knowing that it's going to air after the election. I hope that our country is still in one piece. <laughs> I do too. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I mean, one country, tis of thee, right? How does it go? <laughs> Honestly, I'm terrible. I don't Last remember. time I sang that song, I was like eight years old. I was uh, going to say probably, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I'm feeling more patriotic these days. I was actually at a Jets game recently and they had me on the field. I got to go on the field and be next to the gentleman who was singing the national anthem. And it was really touching to be that close to someone singing, you know, the national anthem. Everybody was being super chill and respectful. And there was actually a little girl next to me who was wearing a hat. And one of the commissioners came over to her and she was like, you're going to have to take off the hat during the anthem. And I was like, whoa, that's right. Forgot all about like how sacred of a of a of a moment we're taking here. So it was nice, and I don't know. It was like a throwback to like high school and even younger when we would do the Pledge of Allegiance in school every day. And I'm proud to be an American. I don't know about you. I don't know about y'all listening, but <laughs> it's good to be an American. I mean, we've got some things to you know improve upon, um, to say the least. But ultimately, you know, relatively speaking, this is a good place to to be. So anyway. How did we get on this? I guess it's an election week. So what do you what do you expect? <laughs> but let's get to your money questions. We've got people talking about how to maximize savings, we strategizing got- money for grad school. So people are in a savings mode, which is not surprising. It's towards the end of the year. We have sort of a come to Jesus moment, come November, December. 
because a lot of expenses pop up this time of year. So we want to learn how to maximize savings, right? Yes, definitely. So our first question is from Sarah, and she currently has 94000 in a money market account that she's been using for six years now. And she puts in $160 a month into that account as well as any and all bonuses that she's making through her job. So she wants to know what she can do with the money where she doesn't have to engage a financial planner. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely think with $94,000 essentially in cash, I mean, money market is a little bit more aggressive than putting it in a bank account, but the interest rate's not going to be much to write home. About $94,000 is a significant amount of money, which I think at this point you want to grow as well as you can, as, as responsibly as you can. So I would say, in lieu of working with a financial planner who might charge you one to one percent to one and a half percent of that 94k and then some because it's going to grow every year, you could do a robo advisory like a Wealthfront, a Betterment, an Elevest. There are a number of platforms that we've talked about on the show. Wealthfront, as we know, is a sponsor of this show. Elevest is a sponsor of the show. I would still recommend them, even if they weren't paying me <laughs> to make this show possible. I actually have my money with a robo-advisor, and it's a great way to still benefit from the diverse plans that will help our money grow over the long run with low-cost index funds and no traditional advisor fee. So you're going to be able to invest this money for a fraction of the price compared to the 1% to 1.5% that you would pay a traditional financial planner. So check out those online platforms and maybe don't put all of your money in one place. Maybe you try a few different outlets, read the reviews, get some friend recommendations, and that's, I think, a smart way to go about it. All right, next question. All right, so we're going to switch gears now to a question on graduate school. It comes from Rose, and she wants to know how she should strategize saving money to go back to school for nurse anesthesia. And she assumes her tuition will cost about 100000 and she'll be in school for anywhere from like two and a half to three years. She's 27. She lives with her boyfriend and has already $6,000 in student loan debt, but she also has 45000 in a cash savings and 25000 in retirement. And overall, once all is said and done, she's expecting to earn anywhere from eighty-five dollars to $100,000 a year as an RN. And she also wants to make some money on the side by tutoring as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's got a plan. She does. She's done her math. She's done her math. Her loan's not super high. $6,000 is definitely something she could probably pay off before going to nursing school. And she's done the salary research, which is important because if if you're going to spend $100,000 via student loans to go to grad school, you better want to make about $100,000 when you come out, Definitely. if not more, because that is not going to be a small amount to pay back every month. That 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 sounds to me like almost $1,000 a month, $800 to $1,000 a month, depending on the interest rate that she's going to have to you know, chalk up once she's out of school. So I think that in the meantime, she needs to do some research on the different schools, the different costs to attending these schools. Simultaneous to that, looking at programs that might be able to give her financial aid, not student loans, but scholarships, grants, work-study programs. You know, there, is, there are even some hospitals or in your case, as a nurse, you know, facilities where if you agree to work there for a few years after your program ends, 
they will help to reimburse you. So if now you could even start making relationships with these places, understanding what the criteria may be, if you're all, if you want to maybe work there first before applying to school to get in and get established, that could be something that would help to alleviate that big sticker price for school. Ultimately, it comes down to your research. It comes down to asking too. A lot of times schools don't advertise the free money that they have to give to their students on the websites, but talking to their financial aid offices, talking to the head of the departments to say, hey, I want to go to to your school. I've applied. What are some ways that I can qualify for financial aid beyond, of course, the traditional aid that is everywhere? But do you have any special grants, special scholarships that are maybe just developing recently? You know, sometimes schools... That year will establish a trust or a fund that goes specifically to a specific type of applicant or student that's not yet advertised on the website. But internally, it's well known. You have to be the person to go after it. And so that's what I would do. I love that you want to also make some side money from tutoring. If you can start doing that now, in fact, to start saving for school, that's going to go a long way as well. Of course, living at home and going to school, I assume you're not going to, she's not going to move. A lot of people don't really move for grad school, especially you're living with your boyfriend. Sounds like you're pretty established. So hopefully your housing is not going to go up, but it never hurts to have more money in savings as you go to grad school. I'd love to see her graduate with minimal student loan debt, not having really used a lot of her savings, but is rather, you know, using some of the extra money she's making now to shore that up to put towards the loans as they may be, but also minimizing those loans. And then when she gets out, she can comfortably pay off this debt with the job that she has and start looking for a job or at least start exploring job opportunities as soon as you get into school. You know, take an internship, get established in the workforce somehow before you really need to get that job because I don't want there to be big lag between school and getting that job. And then in the meantime, her loans come due could be really, could be really hairy. So Rose, I commend you for doing the math. It sounds like you've, you're super organized. Maybe try to pay off that student loan before going into more debt in grad school and good luck. Good luck with everything. I think that's great advice. I have a couple of friends who actually just passed their bar exams and I know at the time they were contemplating, you know, it's a lot of money to spend on an education, but sure enough, they were able to find jobs once they graduated that make, you know, a lot of money and and they're able to pay off their debt with that. So that's really when you, once you do your research, it's good to know that although it costs a lot of money, you will get a job ultimately that will pay a nice sum of money where you can ultimately pay back your debt. And some schools have a better track record of placing their students in the workforce than others. So when you are deciding where to go, yeah, you want to know where do the graduates end up? Where do they have relationships? There might be some hospitals that use this school as a, a source for employers, employees rather. So that's always good to know. And that can usually help to make it the decision because it's an investment. You know, I I would hope that anyone who's contemplating grad school is serious about the numbers because I'm all for achieving your goals and pursuing your passion, but you have to also be realistic about the financial ramifications. You would not be happy, even though it's your passion, if you're saddled with six figures in debt and making a very small salary or or not being able to find a job. That's no fun. So you want to make take into consideration all of that. All right. So next question is from Eileen, which is my mother-in-law's name. <laughs> and she wants to know, 
know a little bit about tracking expenses. She's also on the fence about apps because she's worried about her information being, you know, sort of taken advantage of. Yeah, she wants to know, you know, she's currently trying to create a budget and work with a budget. She typically hasn't done that in the past. But she says that this podcast has totally motivated her to start saving more and spending less. So she wants to know if there are any new or existing apps that you'd recommend. And then also, as you mentioned, what are your thoughts on linking personal accounts and keeping that information secure? I think that's a a big question that Eileen and many people are struggling with nowadays. Yes. So two questions she has. One is, what are some of the savings or budgeting expense tracking apps and websites that I like and recommend? Obviously, I like Mint. (laughs) I'm a little biased, a lot biased, but I use Mint. I've been using Mint long before I started blogging for them and just think it's a great uh, tool. It's free. If you if you think you want to invest more in, in your tracking, there's another outlet called YNAB, youneedabudget.com. And that's, I believe that they have a free package, but then if you want to up your, you know, your, your number of bells and whistles, it's, it's a monthly fee. And a friend of mine was over this weekend talking about how she loves it. She's a single mom and she really needed to start tracking her expenses. And what she likes about you need a budget. And we've had the CEO actually and the founder on so money. So you can go back in our archives at somoneypodcast.com and listen to that. Just do a search for you need a budget. What what my friend really likes about it is that it's extremely goal oriented and it makes sure that every single dollar is attached to something like their kind of catchphrase is no dollar goes unmanaged or whatever it is. I'm probably botching it. But the idea is that you don't, everything gets budgeted even, you know, to the, to the last penny and it's all about your goals. So whenever you move money or spend more, it's all keeping in mind your ability to hit those targets, whether it's to your goal is to save an extra $5,000 this year for college or, you know, pay off your mortgage. It takes that all into consideration and that's really what leads the budget. So that's there's that. Of course, uh, there's Quicken, which is also an online budgeting tool. And we actually did a, you and I, Sophia, we researched a number of new and exciting apps that that span budgeting, but also paying off debt and also money management for Oprah magazine. That's coming out in January. Can we give them any hints? I was going to say that we should shamelessly plug your article. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then they have to wait till like another month to read it. But I think that's probably okay. Uh, (laughs) I need to get people to read that that column. But uh, I will say that, you know, Mint is is solid, Quicken, YNAB, and your concerns about online security Security are super valid. I, I think that many people, like Sophia said, share these concerns. You know, what happens if the site gets hacked? Listen, these websites and these apps, it would behoove them to spend a lot of money and resources to create robust security for their products. If they didn't have trusted security, they would be out of business. They would have no, virtually no one uh, logging in. And I mean, at some point, yes, you must take a leap of faith. Nothing is fireproof. But I think that knowing that having worked with some of these companies or having just spoken to their founders, I know that security is number one priority and they don't take it lightly. And of course, if anything happens, it's not, you have no liability. They will, of course, uh, do what they can to make sure that their customers are protected. And I have never heard of a breach at 
one of these budgeting places or apps, I, I feel like a lot of times the breaches might happen at the retail level or at companies internally. Someone gets in and gets everyone's information. But I think that this day and age, especially as the financial technology sector is ever expanding, there's so much money going into it to bring new and better tools for us to better manage our money, track our expenses, pay off our bills that these companies take security very seriously and a lot of the money gets appropriated to this area of their business. In fact, we had on the founder of Bestow, B-S-T-O-W, who's in Israel actually develop, you know, fortifying the technology for Bestow, which is an app that helps you to put money towards your favorite charities on the go. So it takes your expenses, rounds it up to the nearest dollar, takes the change and puts it towards a, a charity of your choice. So it's cool because then you get to donate on the go and not have it be this like line item at the end of the year, every year. And you're like, oh, I have no more money left to donate. It's allowing you to be charitable throughout the year. That app does require you to hook up your bank account or credit card. So there is that level of security that they need to fortify. And he's in Israel because apparently there, they just like the technology is so great. And the teams that work on these sorts of security issues are the best in class, the best in the world. So he's there. And so these are the efforts that these company leaders are making to make sure that the, when they bring these products out into the marketplace, that they can do that with the utmost confidence. So I hope that rests uh, some of your, or at least that alleviates some of your concerns, Eileen. But it's important that as consumers, we are also very much on top of this, that we're checking our bank statements, we're checking our bank accounts. We want to make sure that we are always aware of any kind of suspicious activity rather than hearing it about it later, the hard way. You know, you, there's no way to 100% prevent this stuff from happening. The earlier you catch it, the better off you will be in terms of repairing the damage, if any damage. Have you ever had your identity stolen or, well, we've all had, I feel like a credit card hacked or something like that, right? Yes, definitely. I actually got a call from Bank of America a couple of weeks ago and they were, they called me immediately saying, you know, we think your account information has been stolen and they were super on top of everything. So I called them back and they're like, okay, we want to verify a few charges with you. I said, all right, let's do it. And the first one was a $10 Skype credit. And I was like, nope, I I actually <laughs> did spend that. And they oh. said, oh, well then, okay, everything's all set. So I thought that was interesting that something like that would be a red flag for them. But the more and more I thought about it and I shared the story with people, they said, well, it does make sense that, you know, perhaps if someone was going ahead to steal your card, that they might be interested in spending a small amount through Skype or, you know, something like that. And then, of course, going on to make larger purchases. So yeah, that does happen. You're right. You're bank. That's so good of them. I mean, it's true that sometimes you'll see like a $1 or $10, just they want to test it, you know, will I get, will this pass? And then they go and they buy the $1,000 bracelet. Right which happened to me once, uh, I think it was Chase called me and they were like, did you buy this $1,000? Did you make this $1,000 transaction at this jewelry store on Long Island? And I'm like, no, I'm in my office in <laughs> Manhattan. And by the way, I've never used this card. I just literally got in the mail. And I think the other thing that was the red flag was that it was for a $1,000. The transaction was $1,000 even. And it's like, okay, what are the odds of that happening? Because usually so taxes, strange. it's like comes out to a weird number. So uh, I almost feel like the jewelry store was responsible. Like somebody there knew it was in on it because that's very random. 
Just about every investment and retirement plan is created by men for men, which is fine unless you're a woman. Women still earn less than men, for now. We're more aware of risk, we're more likely than men to pause our careers to raise a family, and unfortunately, we typically retire with less wealth than men, even though statistics show that we live longer. That's why there's Elevest, created for women, run by and designed by women. Elevest helps women invest based on their specific goals, like buying a home, starting a business, raising a family, or just retiring like a boss. So Money listeners can visit elevest.com slash so money and have an investment plan created at no cost, customized to your specific goals. Invest like a woman with Elevest. E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T. That's LFS.com slash so money. Next question is from Victoria, right? And she's got a question about where to allocate some nice money they fell into from selling a home. Yeah. So both her and her husband just sold their first home and they made $70,000 profit off of that transaction and they have zero debt, which is great. And they also have a one-year-old son. And so she now wants to know where they should put that money to in the following categories, which are retirement, college savings for their son and an emergency fund, and then eventually a down payment for their next home. And just, you know, she gave us a little bit of additional information, which is they already have 30000 each of them saved in retirement and no emergency savings or college savings for their son. We'll definitely need an emergency savings. That is, I think, number one on the to-do list, especially if you want to eventually buy another home. I think that you need to improve your savings situation. And great that you have money in retirement. I think that it's really time to now address emergency fund. And we always say a good ballpark amount to have an emergency is anywhere from six to nine months of your necessary living expenses added up times six to nine in that account. So if you're bare bones necessities to keep the lights on, the mortgage paid, food and food on the table for the for one month is let's say three grand, then you want to have you know anywhere from eighteen to twenty seven thousand dollars in savings. That's a good safe place to be in. And then from there, you have seventy thousand dollars. So if you have a little bit more money left, I would put some more maybe starting towards a college savings. Your son is only one, but in the next 17 years, the only thing, one thing is sure, college is only going to get more expensive. You can actually run the numbers online. There are calculators at fastweb.com and finaid.com and a bunch of other websites to help you figure out the cost of college, maybe down the road, whether your son goes to private school or public education. And the thing about college fund, like a 529, is that even if your son doesn't go to college, you can still use that money for, let's say, another child, or you can give it to another person in your family or yourself can use it for higher education. And so definitely look into having something saved aside for college. I wouldn't maybe put all of the remaining of, you know, if you have 70,000 minus, let's say you put 25,000 in an emergency fund, I wouldn't put, you know, 45,000 in college savings. I would probably get on a savings, maybe a system where you're putting aside like 500 a month for college. And then I would also start to put more towards retirement because $30,000 each, I don't know how old you are, but if you have a cut, you have a kid already and you have a house, I'm guessing you're not in your early 20s. If you're in your early 30s, 
you want to make sure you have more than 30000 in retirement. That's good. It's not great. So increasing your allocation towards retirement, either by putting more of a percentage of your income to towards the 401k or opening up an, an individual retirement account. But with all of these savings that you want to accomplish, except for the emergency, I would say lump sum payment right away, put, you know, good $25,000 chunk in that and just put it in like an online account or a just a good old plain vanilla account. Don't worry about interest. This is just money that's going to come and rescue you in the event of a leak or, you know, you have to be out of work for a little bit. But for the savings for college and the savings for retirement, do that incrementally and pull from the re- from this remaining amount of money. Don't put a lump sum in just to kind of do it gradually. And then I think if you have savings, emergency savings, and you continue to save after you're doing all this other stuff for your next home, that's okay. I think that saving for your next home should kind of be the last thing on the bucket. I don't know where you're living right now (laughs) because you've sold your house. Maybe you're renting. Did she say like what's going on with their living situation? I believe she said that they're renting. Yes. They're renting. Okay. I just would like to see some of the boring stuff taken care of first. You know, just make sure that you have the, because also when you go to buy again, they're going to want to, the bank is going to want to see that you have savings. So if that's not fulfilled, you're not going to be the the best candidates for a mortgage come, you know, your next home purchase. So doing that and also improving your retirement, getting some college savings. I think just, you know, you, you have a lot of money to work with here. So do that. And it's okay to rent for an extra year if you have to, to make this possible. There's no shame in renting if it means that you're prioritizing your finances to get some other foundational things taken care of. So Victoria, congrats. That's a nice, nice chunk of change you got there. But I think now it's just time to like, you know, take advantage of this and allocate it towards the weaker areas that you've got, namely emergency and retirement. All right. I think I have enough voice in me for one more question. As you can tell, I, my volume is getting a little wispier and weaker, but uh, let me take a sip of water. You read off the question in the meantime. All right. So our last question is from Joanna and she says she and her husband got married in April of 2016. They live in California and she makes less than her husband and usually gets a return on her taxes and he makes more but always owes money. And so now they're kind of at a point where they're unsure how they should best file their taxes for this upcoming year. They want to know if they should file jointly or separate. And she also has to consider that she has a son and her husband is the stepfather. So how do they file that they break even or get a small return? And then she also wants to know if there are any tax breaks that maybe she should keep in mind. Okay. Well, it sounds like you guys are prime candidates for hiring a public accountant, certified public accountant, or at least working with someone to help you file these taxes. The first step is to figure out what your taxes may be as both joint and separate filers. Now, the chances are if you file jointly, this may be the best scenario. In some cases, married filing separately, it does limit the kinds of deductions or credits that a married couple can take. Namely, and this applies to you as a parent, the dependent, the child independent care credit. So this is something that if you're married but filing separately, you may not be exposed to. And that could be a nice credit back money back in your pocket. At the same time, though, if one of you wants to itemize a cost, like say medical expenses, that in that case, 
the expenses need to add up to meet a certain percentage of your income in order to be a qualified item itemization. Filing jointly could disqualify you because now your joint income is so high that even though your medical expenses were, let's say, $10,000, it's still not, at least in this case, 10% of your adjusted gross income, which if you want to deduct medical expenses, they have to add up to at least 10% of your adjusted gross income. So that's another thing to keep in mind. There are a couple of expenses like that that could work against you when you're filing jointly because together your income is higher. And so it's going to be harder to qualify for some of these itemized costs. Again, I'm not the best person to give you a definitive answer. The best person is someone who is a qualified, certified public accountant who is experienced specifically in people like you, where maybe this is like a second marriage or one is a stepfather or step parent, if you have any unusually high expenses that you might be able to itemize, like childcare, good things to point out to this person that you would ultimately hire. A good place to look for a CPA, first, just ask around. I think sometimes the referrals from friends and family are the best and fellow colleagues, people maybe who work with you, who have a similar kind of income structure or expense structure. And then you're from California. So if you want to find a good CPA in California, you can go to calcpa.org. Also, for everyone else listening, if they want to find a CPA anywhere in the country, you can go to cpafinder.com. And you know you want to make sure that they are actually certified, ask for credentials. You can go online and search for credentials. And you know it's important. I think ultimately, this is where your money can be well invested and can ensure that you have someone that's triple checking your tax return that's also able to point out credits and deductions and ultimately give you the best path. Like I think for Tim and I, we initially did not file jointly, but ultimately when we started working with a new certified public accountant, he was like, actually, it is good. It's better for you guys to file jointly because now you're parents and this is going to expose you to more of a tax break together when you file jointly than separately. So as your life changes too, you may find that some years it's better to file jointly versus separately. It can ever, it can change. So it's always good to have someone on your team to give you that ongoing advice. All right. Excellent question. Sophia, thank you so much. Thank you. Happy birthday again to my dad. Happy Veterans Day. Hope you all have a phenomenal weekend. See you back here on Monday and I hope your day is so money. 